I'm Dr. Nathan, and I'm going to take some time to talk about horse trailers and hauling horses. While the conversation will mostly focus on trailers in regards to horses, you can apply this to other species as well, depending on the situation. But for some reason, horses have changed from being the primary mode of transportation to being pulled by our primary mode of transportation. I'm also going to address the interesting response I received from horse owners when I required more hauling to my clinic and how I decided to respond to that. So, what are we doing? Well, we want our horses to take us on trail rides or use them at shows or something very specific. We don't have time to ride our horses to our destinations or suitable roads as it's not exactly safe to ride your horse down I-75 to this event we want to go to because that can take hours by truck even more if we're riding our four-legged friends. Not to mention they may not like the semi trucks that are driving down the road. So what we do is we get a truck with the capability to haul a giant box down the interstate at 60 miles per hour. 80 or so if you were my father. And then we ask the horse to get in this box, which is often small, dark, and enclosed, much like the cave of a mountain lion, which the horse thinks is going to eat it. And it's not like it gets hot in these boxes on long trips, and everyone driving around you is totally capable of handling their vehicles. So yeah, this is totally safe, right? Anyway, as horse owners, we haul our horses all over the place, and fear of a flat tire on the interstate or the brake calipers going out mid-trip doesn't stop us because we still take trips, because when we are on the back of our horse for a few hours in the middle of nowhere or getting handed the, the blue victory ribbon, it's worth all the hassle. But we have a lot of work to get the horse to that arena of victory or wide open fields of majestic beauty. And afterwards, in our moment of triumph, is when the horse decides that five hours from home, he doesn't want to get back in the horse trailer, or as horses say, boxes of death and doom. This usually results in an owner trying not to beat their horse with frustration when everyone else's horse loads right into the trailer, and yours just stands there as you pull on the halter telling him you want it to go home. Your threats of leaving him and making him walk home never seem to have the desired effect, and the floating plastic bag of death and doom does nothing at all to motivate him forward into the trailer, where a few hours ago the plastic bag of death and doom teamed up with the butterfly of death and doom to cause your horse to run to the far side of the field while you were only halfway on him. Kudos to those of you who stayed halfway on your horse. So yeah, really as horse owners, it's important for our own egos to get our horses to be able to load and not think of the trailer as a box of death and doom. But it's also important to be able to load your horses in the trailer for the case of bringing the horse to a vet. Sick horses need medical treatment, and sometimes you have to haul your horse somewhere for that treatment. So what does it take to have a horse trailer? Well, it's kind of expensive. After all, it's not just a trailer. It's a truck to haul it, and it's the gas to fuel that truck. So let's start breaking down the expenses. 
You can get almost any type of trailer you can imagine if you're willing to spend any expense. There are single hauling horse trailers, double hauling, three loaded slants, four horse trailers, four horse trailers with areas for people to live in. Um, I've seen trailers with showers and air conditioning. Granted, this was for the person, not the horse. Um, there's steel trailers versus aluminum. And then let's not forget stock trailers, which are just big open trailers to put the horses in. Historically, my family has always gotten a typical trailer with two or four positions for the horse to load in. With my most recent horse, who does not travel well, I have found stock trailers, which is just a big open box, are appealing for traveling, as long as the horses are not violent towards each other. Anyway, you can spend as much or almost as little as you want for a horse trailer. So I took an average for the horse trailers that I found on the line, um, and that came to about $13,981 for a typical trailer. Trucks are just as wide on prices, but I went on Ford's website and picked out a truck for myself that would suit my needs for pulling a two-horse trailer and found that cost $30,870. I then calculated my average truck upkeep cost and gas expenses for three years and found the average to be $3,413. I expect a truck to last 10 years. Well, I expect mine to last more because I'm a little stingy, but... Um, Anyway, and I'll also say I would expect a trailer to last about 20. Truck insurance for me is about 1600 a year. So, assuming everything goes as planned, I added up the yearly expenses, and to have a truck and trailer per year comes out to 3,870, 6, 6, 16. Let's see, oh my gosh, horses are expensive. And round that to square root. So, $8,799 and five cents. I'm going round that up for the discussion purposes because we didn't talk about trailer upkeep or tires for the trailer. So we'll say nine thousand a year. Yikes, that's a lot of money for how many trips a year do you take with your horse? So now we get to the, how essential horse trailers are and why they just may be worth that much money. First, I want everyone to remember I started as an ambulatory veterinarian. I like traveling to people's farms. There's something about driving with your window down on your way to an appointment and you look out over the green fields of tall grass that look like a wave on the ocean as the breeze blows that just makes you feel good and happy. It's fun seeing people's places and what they've created in their own little corner of the world. But, as I will address in other episodes, it's getting harder to find a vet that will travel to the farm. I still do in specific situations, but in general, I am having people haul their horse in to me now. My previous episode, Clinic Changes Part 2, goes into this in more detail. The economics of veterinary medicine are pushing veterinarians away from large animal medicine. Those of us that stay find it easier to make money to stay in business if we see multiple animals at a single location rather than driving from farm to farm. Uh, well, that's sort of selfish, isn't it, Doc? Uh, yeah, I guess, except you're looking at it from the perspective of one. As the vet, we get calls of multiple sick animals a day. Remember during the pandemic when vets were booked out for months to schedule appointments? I remember that too, and clients were really upset by that. Rightfully so. 
especially when their animals need treatment. But guess what you're complaining as clients did? Yep, as vets, we came up with a solution. If we stayed at an office, we could make more money and see more sick animals more quickly. Who doesn't like making more money and who doesn't like giving the clients what they want by offering quicker appointment scheduling? Somehow, I don't think people are as happy as they should theoretically be by these decisions. As soon as I instituted my rule for farm calls, where we work on five or more animals, horse or not, suddenly no one could trailer. I was befuddled. You trailer your horse to a show, don't you? Well, well yes, but you can't trailer to the clinic. Because, you know, it's, it's closer, you know. I'm like, I'm like, what? That doesn't make any sense. So we started paying attention to people's excuses of why they could not trailer to the clinic. It basically came down to two to three categories. I'm going to exclude not having a trailer because we have a list of people willing to haul horses that we give to clients when they need. Most people didn't even want the list if they did not have a horse trailer, which confused me. So first, the true ones that could not haul. Down horses, horses so unstable it was not safe to haul, things of that nature. The second group. The people who were too lazy to haul. These were the people with horse trailers that just didn't want to hook up their trailer. It was too much work. I had one client get upset and leave, found another vet because her horse had a swollen leg. It was walking, eating, and drinking, just a little swelling. We asked her to bring the horse right down to the clinic. This was a competition horse. She had access to trailers. She refused. She wanted an after-hours farm call immediately. We were a little confused because she was saying it was an emergency. If it was an emergency, why aren't you reacting as if it was an emergency? I.e., do what is necessary, as in bring the horse to the clinic. We offered another office call the next day, and we then offered a farm call the next business day after that. Uh, this was before our five animal or down animal rule for farm calls. The owner said the horse couldn't wait that long and she was busy so she couldn't bring it down. She wanted us out after hours. We refused to come out. Now you're probably wondering, but, but there's a sick horse. But this phone call happened at 5.30 p.m. The owner said she noted the problem at 10 a.m. We asked why the owner didn't call us earlier if she thought this was such an emergency. Well, I had to work, was her response. And we were like, we were working then too. So basically, we said if you can't interrupt your day for this, we aren't interrupting ours. It bothered me. I don't mind seeing emergencies after hour, but I just couldn't figure out how this was an emergency. The client thought it was. She told us she did, but our triage didn't find anything emergency-like and the owner had ignored it all day. If it was an emergency, shouldn't it be dealt with right then? I felt very used. This person wanted to interrupt me going home to dinner to go see this person's horse, but she couldn't interrupt her day. Sure, that's my job to see sick horses, but I always looked at it as my emergency hours were for true emergencies. 
she wouldn't even load her walking, eating, and drinking horse on a trailer. Was this really an emergency? She said she'd find someone else. I don't know if she ever did. But what this came down to was she didn't think my time was as valuable as hers. Sure, I could go make a ton of money treating something simple after hours. But then would I be exhausted for a true emergency? This person was lazy, much like the people who want Coggins for their horses but won't hook up a trailer to bring them to the vets and then demand a farm call. For those of you who don't know, Coggins tests are what you get for horses that travel. So if you are getting one, you are planning to travel with your horse, right? They want to pay for convenience of not interrupting their workday and not hauling their horse with their trailer, which I won't lie has made me some money over the years. But after 12 years of seeing emergencies, I put that in air quotes, and convenience things at the farm, I started wondering if me missing supper or not being able to see multiple appointments so often was worth it. The third group is the hardest group to deal with, and I'll say there are two subcategories. One of those subcategories are the people who say something along the lines of, I have always had a vet out to the farm and I'm going to have a vet out now. That's the way it was and always will be. These are the change is hard people. They grew up accustomed to things being a certain way and they don't like changing their habits. I would sympathize, but the world asked me to change all the time and we just have to realize the world of 30 years ago is not the world of today, for better or for worse. I don't have much to say to these people other than look around. The second subcategory are the people who are nervous. I have sympathy for these people because we have all been there. My horse is sick. I'm scared about the horse. and I'm scared the horse won't trailer well while sick. Some of these people even admit to us, the horse would probably be fine on the trailer, but I'm just too nervous. We got in an argument with one client. They told us a horse was able to walk, but was sore on one leg. They were just totally aghast we wanted them to trailer it in. It may lay down in the trailer. They were worried because the horse was not 100% stable on 25% of its legs. And this is legitimate. We don't want horses to fall and hurt themselves more in a trailer. That's why sometimes we may back a horse in, so when the trailer comes to a stop, most of the weight doesn't go on the hurt front leg. But I have seen many horses do fine on two legs. For example, my new horse, or my dad's 30-year-old horse, both seem to be able to do fine on two legs when we're trying to trim their feet. Or once, I saw some farriers trim two feet at the same time. They picked up a front leg and the opposite back leg. The horse was fine on two legs. Colicking horses may even feel better in the trailer, which bumps the gas around to a more free position. So maybe they won't want to roll as much as they have been. But there are risks a horse could go down and cause more damage or not be able to be gotten up, getting stuck in a weird position. So we definitely understand these people's fears because they are our own. However, in most cases, the horse does fine. And that's hard to convey over the phone while trying to convince the owner to get to the clinic. We don't know 100%, but we also have seen a lot of horses trailered and they get there and back again. 
So how do we deal with this? We talked last time about the problem of seeing everyone, and in our next episode, we will talk about emergency work. Basically, we decided on an emergency farm call fee. If you are willing to pay it, we will make our way out to you. For the horse where the owner is being lazy, the fee was what we considered high enough that they were paying for the convenience of it. For the people who were worried, it was the fee for us to alleviate the worrying for trailering. So yes, we will come out to see your individual horse that is sick, whether it can trailer or not, but it will cost you. And although we will do it that day, we can't guarantee where if you could trailer it in, we can get you more immediate treatment. This is where we are now at our clinic. For annual and non-emergency stuff, we still have our five animal limit in place, but we recognize the difficulties of trailering, so we wanted to give people options, and we feel like we have. Is this a perfect system? No. But it's the best we could come up with, and we made a few clients unhappy while trying to perfect this system. Back to horse trailers for a second. So, if a vet was coming to you at your farm, in my example above, where you do not have a horse trailer, that was saving you the expense of 9000 a year. What do vets' farm calls cost? Uh, for a regular appointment, depending on your location, it will vary, but mine cost between 65 to $80. And my after-hour farm calls, or emergency farm calls for six animals, are $300. I just heard, through the wide world of the internet, a collective gasp of how cheap to how horrible on prices. Which is what I see if I peruse the internet and see what clients are complaining or praising about vets, and what I see in my clinic. Half the people say, yeah, that's not bad, just come on out, and you can draw your Coggins on my one horse. No, 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 no. That's not what I meant to accomplish here. Or, I don't want any vaccines, just Coggins. No, I can't haul in. Or, I know this injury happened at 11 a.m., but I want you to come out at 11 p.m. I'll just pay the convenience fee, and no, I can't haul in. Wait, convenience fee? No, no, it, that's an emergency fee. Uh, the emergency was at 11 a.m., not now. To the complete opposite, my horse is sick, Doc, but I just can't afford the emergency farm call, and I don't have a trailer. That's a wide variety of responses to vet fees. What are we supposed to do? Keep exhausting ourselves for things that pass the emergency phase and not seeing clients who have true emergencies because they can't afford the prices that we put out to try to eliminate the convenience emergencies? I don't know. That's the debate. But let's look at the person who said, I have a horse, it's sick, but I can't afford the emergency farm call and I don't have a trailer. There are certainly a variety of financial situations that can change in life. I don't discount that. But when the vet's on the line and you're saying, hey, I don't have a trailer. I need you to come to me, but it's too expensive. As the vet, I'm like, um, you don't have a trailer. Cool, but that means I saved you about $9,000 this year. So where is that money? Because I'm not charging 9000 to come out. And yeah, it's not quite that simple. But let's remember what's going on. We have a large animal vet shortage and multiple clients wanting to 
seen at the same time. Vets are being pushed into the offices. Then you have half the clients unable to pay the rates that the vets are putting up to try not to be bothered by non-emergencies at night, and the other half who can't afford that. And then that small amount in between, you, the client, who just needs to get services and is having trouble getting this because you are caught in the middle. What I'm saying here is as clients and the veterinary profession, we have to find a working balance so the profession can care for your animals while not killing themselves. And part of that is you have to think ahead and plan for health services for your horses. Realize, if you can find a vet that will come to you, it is going to cost money. But realize, if they are coming to you, what have you been saving? And realize that for true emergencies, which a horse physically cannot travel, it's bad. It's real bad. And bad things cost more money. If you are one of those people that are just being lazy and can't haul your horse that is injured after waiting 12 hours to report the injury, because you don't want to hook up the trailer or take off work, remember, there are people less fortunate than you that are being affected by those decisions. Vets want to help you and your animal, and we will need your help to do that, which may involve making some investments. One last thing I want to point out. I'm talking about this on here for the clients to know what vets are dealing with and how they are trying to come up with solutions to these problems. For vets, who sometimes live very isolated from other vets, I want you to know that other people are struggling with finding a solution to this problem and that it is not an isolated incident. After all these changes I made, I had some clients get testy with me. They framed the conversation in a very isolated manner. And if I just listened to them, I would think the problem isn't a nationwide problem, but just a me problem. But thankfully, that same week, as there was some tense conversations, I realized I wasn't alone in this problem. This is a nationwide problem. I've included a link to Auburn College of Veterinary Medicine. They recently reported they have a recent large animal staff shortage. In this article, they reported they have a large animal staff shortage. One of the most prestigious veterinary schools in the world can't attract large animal staff and they st aren't doing farm calls until they can get more staff. They are allowing people to haul into their clinic. Auburn said, we can't get out to your farm, we don't have the people. This was completely independent of my clinic saying, we can't get out to your farm, please start hauling in. This problem is nationwide. Vets are attempting to come up with solutions. What are you doing as clients? I spoke with a potential client once and told him, look, I just can't cover this region. It's out of my normal territory and I appreciate there are no vets there, but it's out of my normal territory because it's in the middle of nowhere. Is there a chance you could organize everyone so I could come out for larger groups of people at once? Because I just can't do it for one person. Potential client pondered for a moment before he said, No, I just don't think that'll work. It makes sense, but we just aren't that organized. So, if you can still get a vet to the farm, realize they are saving you a lot of money by you not having to invest in a trailer. If you can't, realize you may have to pay for someone to trailer your animal. 
And if none of these situations seem good, come up with some ideas and talk with your vets. We want to treat your animals and we are listening to you when you speak. When I first started writing this episode, I wanted to talk about how important training was to get a horse on a trailer and how long is safe to trailer horses and benefits of different types of trailers. But look what it became. It became the exact issue that horse people are dealing with and discussing now across the country. How do we get vet care for our horses? How do we use a horse trailer while receiving this care? One thing is for sure, unless we want to pay someone to follow us around with some coconuts, we as clients and vets have to figure out a balance to properly get caregiver and animal together. I'm Dr. Nathan. Thanks for listening. I hope our discussions are valuable to you and aid in giving perspective. If you want to contact us, please reach out to theveterinarypodcast at gmail.com. You can find a complete list of the podcast episodes on SoundCloud. If you find this information helpful and want more content, please join our Patreon, patreon.com slash theveterinarypodcast. And don't forget to follow our Facebook page, facebook.com slash theveterinarypodcast. As always, thanks for listening, and I hope this information is helpful to you. If you do find it helpful, please like it, share it, so other people may find it helpful as well. Thank you.